Hey, this is John at The Bible Project. We have been diving in the last few episodes of this podcast on the theme of trees in the Bible. And today, we're going to start in the New Testament. The New Testament begins with Jesus. He's a traveling prophet who taught people that the kingdom of God was coming with him. We have many of his teachings recorded in the Gospels, and perhaps it won't be a surprise to you that one of the things Jesus loved to talk about was trees. When he wants to actually talk about what the kingdom is like, we get the parables. And the parables are shot through with Garden of Eden imagery. It's all about trees and seeds and plants. So you have to ask yourself, why is that? We're also going to jump ahead during this conversation to the final tree in the Bible, a tree that Jesus is also connected to. It's found in the book of the Revelation. In the book of Revelation, you have Jesus' followers being addressed by John the visionary. And so he starts offering all of this encouragement or warning to um, the churches. Hey, follow Jesus. And if you do, Jesus will meet you. He starts making all these promises to the seven churches. One of the promises to the church at Ephesus is he says, listen, if you guys are faithful to Jesus until the end, Jesus is saying this to the church. Jesus says, I will grant you to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. How is Jesus connected to the tree of life in God's paradise? That and much more on today's episode. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. All right, we're talking about a theme in the Bible about trees in high places, Mm -hmm. which is a theme about whether we live in God's presence and consume of him and his wisdom Mm. and find eternal life. Which is a gift so that humans can rule as is beloved partners forever. Yeah. That's the vision. That's the tree of life. Yeah. Or eat of the tree of knowing good and bad, which is saying, no, we can find wisdom and Mm. power on our own terms Mm. apart from God and his presence. Mm -hmm. This tree looks perfectly fine to me. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like more of a shortcut. Man, we've been following this theme for many hours. We're finally going to get to Jesus. Yes. We made it to Jesus. Made it to Jesus. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this. Mm. I think that a lot Mm. of this will will feel like really great payoff. Mm. It's already been really illuminating Mm. going through. It's been very fruitful Ah, (laughs) going through this theme (laughs) of trees. The thing that's connecting the most to me, the thing that anchors this all for me is that the tree of life is in the middle of the garden. The garden is is connected to Mm. the temple. And in the middle of the temple is God's presence where he dwells. So the tree of life is about communion with God, communion with the divine creator. And to be in that relationship and to eat of that is to be transformed into the Mm. type of human who can Mm. rule with God Mm. and have eternal life. That was lost and that's where this has all been heading back. And so when Moses meets God in this burning bush on a mountain, it's the same image of here he is in God's presence. And what we learn is that being in God's presence is actually intense. Yeah. And who knows if it was intense for Adam and Eve because they were innocent. Yeah. I mean, they didn't know the difference yeah. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But once you're once you're out of Eden and then you experience a tree of life, mm. it's mm. scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Moses is scared. Uh, and then last episode, we talked about Isaiah having a vision yeah. of yeah. being in God's throne room. Yeah, totally. And experiencing God's presence, Mm -hmm. the tree of life. And remembering the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem was an image of, and was actually imagined to be the place where heaven and earth are one. So it's Eden. It's Eden. Eden is where God's throne is. And that's what the tree of life is. Yeah. It's God's throne. Yeah. (laughs) It's eating of of God's God's throne and power and authority. Power and holiness. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. And... That is a dangerous proposition. Correct. Because it can consume and destroy you. Mm-hmm. That's what you would expect. That's what Isaiah expected. Yeah. But yeah. strangely, yeah. it didn't. A coal of this mm-hmm. presence touched his lips mm-hmm. and actually purified him. Yep. Transforms him so that he can now become uh, God's partner Yeah. in the mission to his people. Yeah. Isaiah becomes the seed of the new remnant <laughs> Yeah, in the book of Isaiah. Yeah, that's right. And so that's a tree of life. There's mm-hmm. also the tree of knowing good and bad. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it represents a choice of whether you're going to be in God's presence and eat of, of his mm-hmm. life or not. And after you've made that choice, 
the tree of knowing good and bad continues to be a choice and a test. Mm. And when you decide not to eat of it, it's actually turned yeah. into an altar. Yeah. In which you can yeah. sacrifice and make atonement. Yeah. For all of the people who have taken from the tree. <laughs> yeah. For yourself and for all the, yeah. all the people. <clears throat> and then right. so the question becomes, well, yeah. where did this idea of atonement come from? Mm. Why mm. do you think you can now yeah. Yeah. get back to the tree by a sacrifice? Mm-hmm. And it's because God promised that yeah. that would be the case, yeah. right? After Correct. Adam and Eve leave the garden or exiled, everything looks horrible, but God says, there's mm-hmm. going to be a seed of the woman who's mm-hmm. going to come. Mm-hmm. It's going to deal with this whole mm-hmm. evil mess, which is the rebellion. Yeah. And uh, all the violence that's come yeah. out of it. He's going to over overcome the problem at its source. At its source. And right. the source of the problem we learned was this yeah. deceptive evil. Yeah. The snake. Yeah. Or sin in Genesis 4, the next story. In the next story, it's yeah. sin. Yeah. And as the seed deals with it, mm-hmm. the seed will also yeah. be destroyed by S- it. Suffer the consequences. Yeah, suffer. And so Correct. you get the sense of, oh... It's an atonement. Yeah. It's a sacrifice on my behalf. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And mm-hmm. so now you're kind of, ex- you're waiting for a seed to sacrifice mm-hmm. on behalf of us mm-hmm. so we can get back to the tree yeah. of life. Yeah. To open the way back up. Yeah. Remember the cherubim are guarding the way to the tree of life. I'm looking for somebody so no one, who can open up the way mm, back. So Noah makes a sacrifice and it's not himself. But it is a sacrifice. Yeah. And God says, yeah, great. I like this yep. sacrifice. Yeah. Abram is told to sacrifice his son. And you think, oh, a seed mm-hmm. who's going to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. But then God says, no, yeah. don't kill him. Yeah. Here's a ram in its place. Correct. So we get an atonement there. Moses on a high place wants to sacrifice himself for the sake of all of Mm-hmm. His people who mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. making these false mm-hmm. trees of life <laughs> and worshiping mm-hmm. false gods. Mm-hmm. And God says, no, you don't, you're not going to kill yourself, sacrifice yourself, but I will give a gift and forgive the mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And then in Isaiah, we yeah. get to uh, a character who is going to sacrifice mm-hmm. himself and suffer. He will f- is from the line of David. Yeah, from the line of David. Yeah. Another part of this whole theme is... David and mm-hmm. Jerusalem. Yeah. And we talked about that as well, which is uh, David, when he becomes king, mm-hmm. he takes a high place, a strategic high place called Jerusalem. And he builds his house there of trees, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from right. trees of Lebanon. Yeah. And then he brings the Ark of the Covenant up, God's, which is the hot spot of the Holy of Holies. So God is now dwelling on this mountain He's recreating Eden and God says, yes, through your family line will be the seed. This is what I'm, this is what I want. And so we're, we're Mm. stoked. Mm. It's not going to be David, but it's coming from this line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then as you just read the biblical narrative, that gets corrupted. Yeah. Yeah, And people are building their false trees of life with these false idols on these false hills, Mm -hmm. which are false Edens. Mm -hmm. And God's like, this is this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so the prophet Isaiah Mm -hmm. is saying, God's going to exile everyone off the mountain, out of the land. He's going to start again. All these false idols are going to be chopped down. And even Jerusalem, which was the holy mountain, the new Eden has become a false idol and it's going to be chopped down, but a remnant will remain and a new seed will sprout that remnant uh, begins with a guy who wakes up in the middle of the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Isaiah. Uh-huh. And he's burned clean. Burned clean. By the oh. tree of life. And then he becomes the icon of the new seed to be planted in, in the new Eden. So Israel's kind of in disarray. Mm-hmm. And you think, man, they're supposed to be the seed. Mm-hmm. But Isaiah's saying there's mm-hmm. still something there. Mm-hmm. There's a kernel of that there. Yeah. It's yeah. the remnant. Yeah. They have been transformed, mm-hmm. and through that seed mm-hmm. will come mm-hmm. the one we've been waiting. Correct. The suffering That's right. servant. Yep. And then the suffering servant poem of the book of Isaiah begins with God saying, I highly exalt and raise up my servant. How? The poem goes on. Uh, he suffers and gives his life for the sins of his people. And it's precisely that death that is his exaltation to 
to the highest place of the new Eden. Hmm. And he uh, declares the many who were sinners to be right with God. And then the rest of the book concludes with all these amazing poems about the new garden of Eden trees that God will plant in the new Eden because of the servant. And the trees are people. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the trees are people. The new humanity. Mm. Yep. So man, all these mountains, Eden, Ararat. Mm, where Noah was. Mount Moriah. Where Abram was. Abraham, Mount Sinai. Yeah. Then Jerusalem, old Jerusalem. Yeah, David. With mountain. David. And all of those are seen as mounting pointers to the new Jerusalem, Eden. Yes. Sinai, Moriah. <laughs> They're all manifestations, yeah. tastes of it. And anticipations. That's how design patterns. It's driving you forward, forward in the story, creating a reader's expectation that the story will be resolved at the ultimate high Eden place with the ultimate servant of God. Yes, yeah, Hebrew Bible, man. Hmm. I mean, and we've only covered, what is that, six? Six, six mountains? Six yeah. high places? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I could show you 15 more mm. stories where this mm. is working itself out. And yeah. Jerusalem just, seems to become the most important high yes, place. It is. Yeah. Because that's where the temple was. But that temple became corrupted. This is why Jesus cared so much about Jerusalem. Mm. So Jesus is raised on this literature. He's been reading his Bible. Yeah. Jesus is born into this story. And as I say probably too often, you know, his, his brain wasn't melted on Twitter <laughs> and uh, TV. These texts were the media that surrounded his, uh, he and his family. Yeah, it formed his yeah formed his, his view mind of and his reality. Heart. Yeah, yeah. So as a human, as a human, which Jesus was a human. Yes, <laughs> yeah, totally. In another sense, yeah. Jesus was more, and mm-hmm. his imagination and reality wasn't formed. Yeah, the womb of Mary becomes like a little Eden, hmm. where God's word plants, you know, his own heavenly seed, so to speak. That's a way of imagining the conception of Jesus. It's the Mm. Holy Spirit will overshadow you and the power of the Most High will come upon you and you will call the Holy One to be born, the Son of God. Yeah, because wombs are, what is Eden? Eden is where the heavenly gift of abundant life meets earth and creates green plants. Remember the tree of life? Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned that ah. to be barren. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew word for infertility is the word unrooted. Unrooted. Without root. Yeah. So it's in the ground, but it's not connected to the divine gift of life. So there's already just this metaphor of the womb, the womb. being yeah. Uh, yeah. a garden. Yeah. And sperm, male sperm is being called seed. seed. Yeah. And so the whole image of people are trees. The womb is a garden hmm. in the vocabulary and metaphorical imagination of the Bible. Yeah. That's why fertility is always connected to either the, what comes out of the ground, what comes out of the flocks, and what comes out of your loins, <laughs> male and female. Yeah. Anyhow, so yes, um, we were talking about the conception of Jesus, but the image of Jesus as a seed yeah. begins even with the birth narratives mm-hmm. uh, in the Gospels, in Matthew okay. and Luke. So here's what I want to focus on in the Gospels. Okay. Uh, we're just going to take it as assumed. Jesus comes onto the scene. He wakes up to his identity, to the baptism. But what I think we can focus on here is Jesus goes around announcing that the reign and the rule of God is arriving uh-huh. and he is the one bringing it. Yeah. That taps us all the way back into Genesis 1. God wants to rule the world through a human partner. Mm. All these people have failed on the high places. Mm. They take from the wrong tree. So God himself becomes, comes among us as the human divine partner mm. that everybody's failed to be. Yeah. And he calls it the kingdom of God arriving. Mm. Jesus is most expansive and creative and in-depth teachings about the nature of the kingdom are his parables. Mm. So think about it. When he announced the kingdom of God is here, through his actions, it looked like healings, exorcisms, liberating people, inviting them into the family, into these feasts that he would hold for Mm -hmm. prostitutes and tax collectors and sick people. He's partying like Eden was here. Yeah, totally. When he wants to talk about the ethic or lifestyle Mm-hmm. that's consistent with the arrival of God's kingdom, mm-hmm. we get the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. But when he wants to actually talk about what the kingdom is like, hmm. we get the parables. And the parables are shot through with Garden of Eden imagery. Yeah. 
It's all about trees and Lots of trees bushes and, and seeds and plants. <laughs> so you just have to ask yourself, like, why, why is that? What kind of upbringing produces a human heart and mind that when they talk about the arrival of God's reign and rule and new creation, yeah. they mostly talk about plants and seeds and trees and bushes? <laughs> yeah. If you grew up as a farmer, yeah, okay, that yes. would make sense. It, totally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and the many Bible, people did. That's right. But yeah. G- Jesus didn't actually grow up as a farmer. Uh, that's true. He grew up in a craftsman family. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But he grew up in a beautiful yeah, but I'm hilly sure there country, was tons lots of, of agriculture. Yeah, so, agriculture. Okay. So that's one level. Yeah. But in terms of the way the gospel authors, what they want us to see here isn't just like, ah, oh, Jesus grew up in the country, so, yeah, so he talks this way. Right. This is Eden imagery. Yeah. As we're going to see. Cool. Matthew 13 is one of the uh, largest collections of Jesus' parables about the kingdom. So Jesus uh, gets a big group of people around, and he starts to teach them about the good news of the kingdom. And he tells a famous parable. So there was a farmer, and he went out to sow all the seed. Now, while he was scattering seed, I think this is called broadcasting. Yeah. I remember when we learned that. I thought about that. Yeah. Broadcasting. Broad, casting abroad. Casting broadly. That's right. Yep. So scattering the seed, uh, some fell along the path, you know, like bounced out. Yeah. Off the, the hard ground. Yep. And the birds came, eat it up. Birds like seed. Some fell into some rocky parts. Not a lot of soil. In not there. a lot of soil. So it sprang up quickly because there was a little soil, but then the sun came, plants are scorched, they wither because yeah. they have no root. Other seed fell among thorns. And you know, the thorns, they're a real problem. And so the thorns choke out the plants. But other seed fell on good soil, and it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Do you have ears? You should listen. <laughs> That's Jesus. <laughs> so good, man. It's brilliant. Why is it brilliant? It, well, you know, just what the parables are. I can't wait to make our video about how to read the parables. Mm. Jesus said things like the Sermon on the Mount, and he equally and just as much spoke these short little riddle-like parables. And this is one of the riddle parables that he explains. He does explain it. That's right. But let's just stop. So we have a farmer planting a garden. Yeah. Am I supposed to be thinking about God? Farmer planting a garden. Some, only some of the garden produces, right? The good soil produces all of this reproducing. Think of the trees in Genesis 1 mm-hmm. that have seed in them and they yeah. just reproduce, reproduce. Yeah. But there's also thorns. Thorns. That's Genesis 3. When they're exiled from the garden and you'll be out there working the non-garden land mm. and you're going to get as much thorns and thistles as you're going to get okay. anything else. Okay. So this idea of God liberally scattering his gifts of divine life. Mm. But based on a whole lot of different factors... Only some of it produces the real thing, mm-hmm. and some of it grows up in the anti-thing, namely the thorn. It's not like these are direct hyperlinks to Genesis 3, yeah. but this is a mind that's been shaped. This yeah. is a story that's soaked <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures. Jesus goes on. He says, listen to what that parable means. He's talking to his disciples now. He says, when anyone hears the logos, the word about the kingdom, so he equates the seed with this word that God is sending Mm -hmm. to the people about bringing his kingdom. Mm. So the message about the kingdom is a message that is supposed to grow plants. It's seed. Seed is a a divine message announcing the arrival of the kingdom. Okay. Seed has generally been just human offspring. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a new way of thinking about seed. A divine word. Divine word. Mm -hmm. Genesis 1. God said. God speaks 10 times. Uh, one of those times on day three, he speaks and all these trees and plants sprout up out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And of he course, speaks and, and all sorts of things sprout. Yeah, that's and right. Come into being. That's right. Yeah. 
And then matching that in Genesis 1 is there are the humans that come up out of the ground and he tells them to uh, rule on his behalf, to be kings and queens on his behalf. Yeah. So God's word is a creative, plant-sprouting, king-making kind of word. Cool. Even on page one. Nice. Okay. And we're in that same thought world here. Okay. Yeah. So the word about the kingdom announced by Jesus is like seed. Yeah. And there's all these people who don't understand it. Why? Well, they're under the influence of the snake, the mm. evil one, snatching away what was sown in the heart. So what Jesus is explaining is he's been announcing the kingdom and doing this for 10 chapters now. Yeah. And Matthew placed in chapter 11 and 12 all of these mixed responses to Jesus. Mm. Some people love him. Some people aren't sure. Some people yeah. re- reject him. Mm. What's going on with that? Yeah. So this is Jesus giving a meta commentary. Mm. on why it isn't clear to everybody who he is. Mm. It's because some people are like Cain. They're under the influence of the snake. And that's the seed on the path. Yep, the seed on the path. Some people are like that seed on the rocky ground, and they hear it, and they're they're excited about it. They receive it with joy, but they don't have any root. So now all of a sudden, this is kind of like a pseudo-Eden. This is a human who, Mm. one reason or another, what God is trying to invite people into, it can't penetrate through the crust. <laughs> mm, yeah. There's a hardness, and so the seed can't get in there. The ground represents metaphorically people. People, but the seed, but the uh. but what grows up out of the ground also is the people. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, but the ground is like mm-hmm. the condition of the people. The ground is the condition. The different types of soil represent different people and different and the condition conditions. they're in. So one condition is I'm under the deceptive power of the evil one. Yeah. I believe in a different story about the world that's corrupted. I'm under the influence of the powers and authorities, Paul the Apostle would say. And so when I hear the story about a crucified Messiah, that's ridiculous. And I can't become a plant. Yep. Which means I can't find life. Yeah. If I'm not connected to the message of the kingdom through Jesus, I'm going to be pursuing false Edens. But a plant growing, I guess, maybe represents having an abundant life, mm-hmm. prosperous, mm-hmm. Eden life. So, And here, w- with the one snatched by the evil one, it doesn't even have a chance. It doesn't to, even have a chance to germinate. Germinate. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Second one uh, can start to germinate, but it's the rocky ground with shallow. It's called a sh- shallow soil. Yeah. And so... He said when sun, when the sun scorches it, which he translates into trouble or persecution because of the word. So when sun comes and withers, what a plant can do is sink deeper roots hmm. to access more mo- moisture and nutrients underground. But if it doesn't have any depth of root, then it'll just wither. The sun will wither. That's the image here. Shallow root. So people who don't allow the seed to take deep roots. Yeah. So I think here this would be, actually, I, I think there's a uh, a wordplay happening here because the word for Rocky is the word Petros. Mm, Peter. Peter. And what is he except a shallow root? <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Trouble and persecution comes to him in the courtyard mm. after Jesus is arrested and three times he denies his allegiance to Jesus. Yeah. I, I think this is intentional. The Peter becomes a narrative illustration of the Petros ground here in this parable. But Peter transforms. Yeah. He has his own conversion after the resurrection. Uh, the seed falling among thorns. This is about the ground's already occupied. Yeah. <laughs> that soils, that spot's already taken hmm. by other another narratives. Another plant. But then it's a plant. Other that, messages. That's a sign of exile in Eden. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. False trees of life will compete with the real tree of life that God wants to plant. Yeah, that's interesting. When we create false trees of life, we create them to be these beautiful, luxurious trees. Or when we, I say we mm-hmm. in the biblical narrative. And us ourselves when yeah. we like pursue something that Correct. we think is going to bring life but doesn't. Yep. We think it's a good, beautiful thing. Yes, yeah, right. And here it's like, no, that's thorns. It's, it's thorns. thorns. Totally. Yeah, that's right. And it's the consequence of exile. Correct. That's right. Yeah, in the same way that um, Israelites in the time of the kings looked out and saw all their Canaanite neighbors on all the high places. And, you know, things are are going good for that guy. Mm. And he worships Asherah. Mm. And this is our third year of drought. 
here in the hill country of Judea. Yeah. And the prophet Elijah said, Yahweh is the one causing it. My God brings drought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that guy's having a, a fruitful year over in the next uh, in the next valley. So I'm going to go with Baal. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense. Right. That you would occupy the ground with thorns. Correct. Why would you let there be thorns in the ground? Yeah. You think yeah. they are going to bring life. Yeah. And so maybe the thorns, the thorns here are negative, but the idea is in the perception of somebody growing a thorn is it looks to you like, well, this is, this looks great to me. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. What a beautiful plant. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Deceived. And so the final seed is seed that falls on good soil. That's someone who hears the word and fully grasps it. And then a crop is produced, yielding. And then these amazing amounts, 160, 30 times what was sown. So differing amounts, the word will produce different kinds and different amounts of fruit mm-hmm. in different people. But always abundantly. But all, yeah, always in surprising abundance. Be fruitful and multiply. I'm just not a farmer. Mm. I threw out seed in good soil. Right. What does that mean to uh, yield a hundred times? Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm not a farmer either. So I'm looking up my favorite commentator on Matthew, R.T. France, mm. of blessed memory. The fact that the singular seed sown in good soil is subdivided into three different levels of yield suggests that we're intended to notice the variety. Says. Okay. He translates it immediately. Disciples are not all the same. Equally genuine disciples, mm-hmm. good soil, will produce different levels of crop depending on different gifts and cir- circumstances. Oh, uh, he's linking it up to the parable of the talents later on mm. in the story. Okay. A similar point, oh, is made in the parable of the talents. But the 30, 60, and 100, oh, he doesn't mention it. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't talk about it. I'm genuinely curious now. Oh, you know who might talk about it? Ulrich Luz. How much do you want to know about the numbers? Maybe someone can look this up for us, find something out. If you're a farmer and you plant a seed and you get a crop of a hundredfold, is that just is that a great crop? Or is that mm-hmm. like a like what the heck happened? Mm-hmm. Supernatural mm-hmm. kind of crop. I think that's what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does the hundred sixty thirty I think yeah. I have a hunch that a hundredfold would just be like, that's a really, that's a top quality tomato plant. Planted one seed, I got a hundred tomatoes. Ah, okay. Here's uh, Leon Morris. Uh, his commentary on Matthew says, these three groups, 160 and 30, commentators throughout history have disagreed as to what these figures are, uh, whether they're an exaggeration to bring talk about the bountiful nature of the crop or whether they are to be taken more literally assuming some kind of knowledge of agriculture. Okay. Without knowing the seed, it's impossible to be dogmatic. Okay. <laughs> so that's a good point. Sure. He says maize, for example, mm. might well produce a hundred or more seeds. Maize is like a corn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Though with wheat, that's not so likely. Mm. So in any case, Jesus is making the point that good ground produces an abundant harvest. Yeah. That much is clear. Okay. So we don't have to go through other ones in in depth, but um, the parable about the good seed that sows both wheat and uh, false wheat. It's often called the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Mm-hmm. So this one is zeroing in on the theme of um, that Jesus' community of disciples will be a mixed bunch. Hmm. <laughs> weeds and wheat. Aren't we? Aren't, aren't we? we both? And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but then surprisingly... Uh, wheat and plants that look just like wheat grow up. Another example, the mustard seed. That's another garden. The mm-hmm. kingdom of heaven is like this tiny seed yeah. that produces a huge tree. And then all the birds come and perch in its branches. You're a farmer. Mm-hmm. You plant a tiny seed. Yeah. God provides this huge thing. And now you as a farmer get to hang out with all these animals that take mm-hmm. place in this big tree in your yeah. garden. That's, yeah. It's an Eden image for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. And the surprise is about the, the, the contrast of scale. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that a divine word could generate a universe. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing that a itinerant Jewish apocalyptic sage mm-hmm. <laughs> announcing uh, the judgment on Jerusalem and the birth of a new creation 
would change the course of human history. Yeah. That's remarkable. It is remarkable. What's striking me <laughs> here, though, reading these parables is uh, that Jesus isn't doing anything novel, hmm. really. Hmm. Hmm. It's like he's read Hebrew scripture the way we just kind of walked through it. And he's talking hmm. to people. Yeah. And he's just saying, guys, Eden, yeah. Eden life. Like, yeah. it's about being fruitful. Yeah. And multiplying. Correct. And yeah. it's about God creating life out of something mm-hmm. very small. And it's about it's about a garden being grown. Mm-hmm. And, and you match this with the Sermon on the Mount. The first two large blocks of teaching in Matthew is mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount and then this block of parables. Mm-hmm. And they illuminate each other. What is the good soil that produces fruit? What does that kind of life look like? Yeah. It looks like a Sermon on the Mount person. Mm-hmm. And so they... Or is the Sermon on the Mount the fruit? The Sermon on the Mount is, yeah, the kind of life that characterizes the the new Eden people. Yeah. Of which Jesus is the prototype. This is the way he is living, and he's calling people to join him. Let me just process this. Jesus is announcing that God's kingdom is arriving in a new way. And so everyone's then wondering, what is it? How is it arriving? What do you mean? And he uses all this garden imagery to talk about it arriving. Mm-hmm. And I guess as someone who reads Hebrew scriptures, you would go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. God's planting a garden. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, my point is to that degree, I'm going, great, awesome. If I've been following with the yeah. Hebrew narrative. Yeah. I'm like, this, is, this makes all make sense. Yeah. And pointing this out this maybe isn't a very exciting observation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it's just, it fits into the yeah. larger pattern of Jesus talks about the kingdom as a, a garden yeah. that's growing new, surprisingly large amounts of plants and yeah. life and trees. And, and he's inviting people to be yes. planted yeah. in this garden. Correct. So let's take the next step. famous saying of Jesus, the Gospel of John, Mm -hmm. which doesn't have large collections of parables or anything like the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Jesus's longest block of teaching is in the upper room discourse. Mm. And at the center of it is a a famous line in John 15. Jesus calls himself the vine and calls his disciples the branches of the vine. Mm -hmm. So Jesus characterizes himself as a plant Mm -hmm. that... The root The root plant stock yeah and then he says my father is the one who's growing Mm. this vine Mm -hmm. and you all are the buds and the branches yeah going out that carry the fruit of the vine i am the new humanity yeah and you can be too yeah so we're back to people or trees yeah jesus is the new tree of life growing Mm. in the new garden Mm. god's growing a new garden of eden i'm the tree of life and Instead of saying, so come to me and eat. <laughs> what she does say. That's right. But in this case, what he says is, uh, if you all are following me and trust in me um, and are connected to me, then you actually will become an offspring of me. Now, you think he's talking about being a tree of life or just being in a garden? Well, I'm the vine, you were the branches. The base metaphor is I'm the central stock of yeah, a plant right. and you are growing off of me. Yeah. Therefore, the fruit that you produce yeah. uh, is sustained by me. Right. It will look like me. It mm-hmm. comes from me. Got it. Yeah. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. So when I'm connecting it back to Eden is I'm making an interpretive move. Yeah. But I'm just saying when you connect it back to Eden, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of fruit trees in Eden. Yeah. The tree of life is a very uh, special I understand. tree. That's right. Yeah, that's Which, right. But I could see why you would say, because mm-hmm. Jesus is, he says, mm-hmm. I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. What does that mean other than I am the tree of life? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. In the video, we'll figure out how to do the design patterns leading up to a Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. But 
for the video, I love the idea of Jesus coming onto the scene and he's announcing that God's growing a new garden. Yeah. And the plants are the new people. Yeah. And then he talks about himself as yeah. the central plant. It's interesting in the parable of the sower, the people have their chance to sprout out of the soil. Correct. Yeah. But yeah. here in mm-hmm. John 15, mm-hmm. it's like, mm. actually, you know what? Yeah. Another way to think about this yes. is you're not going to sprout out of the soil. You're going to sprout out of me. Out of me. That's I'm right. in the soil. Jesus becomes the tree. Yeah. Out of which every part of the new creation sprouts. The good soil is me. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus becomes a good soil. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's, that's right. Cool. Yeah. So I think it'd be fun to play with it. You have Jesus talking about his message as growing new plants, and then that scene could morph into himself as the plant. So let's do the New Testament out of order. Okay. Jesus is on the scene, arriving, announcing the arrival of God's kingdom. Which is a new garden. Which is a new Eden garden. The good soil is people, and the message Jesus is bringing is like the word of God in Genesis 1, growing a new Eden. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, he said, I'm actually the tree out of which the whole thing grows. Right. So let's talk. That's what he was announcing. Yeah. The last pages of the Bible in the book of Revelation depict the ultimate fulfillment of the whole biblical story Mm. with all of that same imagery. So we go from Jesus announcing that it's arrived to it actually fully being arrived, Revelation. Mm. So we can talk about that full arrival and fulfillment right now. And then that'll leave us with the question of, well, how do you get from Jesus announcing it and that? takes us to the cross and the resurrection. Cool. Again, we're following the imagery here. In the book of Revelation, you have Jesus' followers being addressed by John the visionary to seven church communities who some of them are uh, wealthy and lazy and apathetic. Mm. Some of them are undergoing persecution, whole variety. Yeah. And he writes the famous seven letters. Mm-hmm. He sees a vision of Jesus who's enthroned as king as a slaughtered lamb king mm. over heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Awesome. He has an Isaiah 6 moment. He wakes up and mm. he's there, except it's Jesus on the throne. <laughs> and so he starts offering all of this encouragement or warning to the churches. Yeah. Hey, follow Jesus. And if you do, Jesus will meet you. He starts making all these promises to the seven churches. One of the promises to the church at Ephesus is he says, listen, if you guys are faithful to Jesus until the end, Jesus is saying this to the church. Jesus says, I will grant you to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Mm, The Eden of God. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the word garden in uh, Hebrew is gone, but in the Septuagint translation, so it was the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, Mm. the word garden is translated with the Greek word paradesos, Mm. which is where we get our word paradise. Mm. And in Greek, does paradesos mean garden? It's a Persian loan word. Oh, yeah. What's oh, a loan right. word mean? Uh, it's a Persian word. Okay. It's the Persian word pardes. Pardes. Part, it's a Persian word that means garden. Okay. And then the Greek translators used a spelled pardes with Greek letters. Why? Uh, well, we have these in English, loan words. Okay. Gesundheit. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Baptism. <laughs> <laughs> so it's we borrow a word from another language, spell it with our letters, and then that becomes an, Got it. an English word, so to speak. And then English made a loan word, their own loan word, yeah, totally. to mean paradise. So our gr- English word paradise is a loan word from the Greek word paradise, which, which is, is a loan, loan word from the Hebrew, the Persian word pardes. And who knows Whew. where that Persian word came from. Whew. Anyway, the whole point is that paradise of God is, is, garden. is the phrase garden of God. Got it. Eden. So I will grant you to eat yeah. of the tree of life. Yeah. 
So John's got it in his head that there is a yet future, right? Because he's saying to the church, listen, be faithful to Jesus. And if you do, I will grant you to eat from the tree of life. Oh, there's a yet future realization yeah, of a future... I thought following Jesus was eating of the tree of life. It was right. being part of the tree of life. Correct. Was, and in, that right. is true. And that is true. Jesus said the kingdom of God has touched down. But it's like a mustard seed. It's, mm. it's small, bearing fruit, and slowly and surprisingly, it will bear fruit in the ultimate new Eden. Because the tree of life gives eternal life. Correct. That's right. And yeah. we're still going to die. My body's fading every day. Yeah. Yeah. So while I am participating in That's the right. tree of life in yeah. one sense, in yeah. another sense, yeah. I haven't yet fully Correct. taken it. So we're to the, the kingdom of God and eternal life. This is what Jesus says in John 17. This is eternal life, that my disciples know you, the Father, and Jesus, the Messiah, whom you sent. So uh, eternal life begins now. Because it's about a relationship it's with about God. about connecting ourselves to the source of eternal life. And consuming it so it can consume us. Correct. Correct. And that will bear fruit and be fulfilled in the new creation. Uh, Similar to what Paul says in Corinthians, where he talks about the light of God's creative life is like a candle inside a cracked clay pot. So his outside cracked clay pot is crumbling Uh and cracking, but inside of it is the the new Eden life. Mm. So similar here, there is yet for this persecuted or apathetic church... Mm. In Ephesus, there is the full realization of their hopes Mm. in the paradise of God. And then that's a frame that creates a drama. How are persecuted or apathetic and lazy followers of Jesus? Yeah. What does their journey into the new Eden look like? That's the book of Revelation. And so the narrative arc of the Revelation culminates in the last two chapters. And I just put together the Eden images here. Revelation 21. Here, I'll let you, we'll kind of trade back and forth here. Okay. 21, one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for a husband. There's so much imagery happening in here. Totally. But you want to focus in on mm-hmm. there's a new Jerusalem coming yeah. down out of heaven. Yep. Coming down to a new heaven and a new earth. And it's the reunion of the husband and the bride. Think of the Garden of Eden. The Eden imagery here. Oh. The man and the woman in the garden. A new heaven and earth, no longer any sea, meaning all th- threats of the But cave. here, Jerusalem is a bride. Uh, yeah, totally. I'm sure that's a whole nother rabbit hole. So cool. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, mm-hmm. behold, mm-hmm. the tabernacle of God, mm-hmm. which is the... Yeah. Hot spot where the tree of life is, is among men. It's here on the new earth. Here it is. New temple. And he will dwell among them. Yeah. And they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. Yeah. It's eating of the tree of life. Yeah. There you go. So new Jerusalem, temple, Eden, it's all one package deal. And it's coming down out of heaven. Because when these Eden moments happen in the biblical story, they're surprises. They take people by surprise. Mm. Like Jacob in his dream. But this is imagining a moment when... That surprise overtakes all of creation mm. and permeates it. So it's not going to heaven. It's heaven, come heaven earth. and earth reuniting. Then in verse 10, he calls this new Jerusalem. He says, uh, I got carried away in the spirit to a great high mountain, <laughs> to the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It has the glory of God. That's what you call the glory cloud mm-hmm. on top of Mount Sinai. Yes, it's on fire. <laughs> and it's uh, over the temple. Mm-hmm. The brilliance of the holy city, high mountain, glorious place was brilliant, like costly stone, stone made of crystal clear jasper. Then I was shown the river of the water of life. Wait, crystal clear jasper. So it's red, but you can see through it. Ah, translucent jasper. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, and the river of the water life of water of life is also clear as crystal. Mm. Coming from the throne of God and from the Lamb. Which is, you know, Eden, right? All The water of life coming from it's the center river, of the garden. It's that river yeah. coming out of the middle of Eden. Yeah. In the middle of its street. Notice the city, garden, mountain, yeah. it's all being merged together. Right. Here. So you got a street running down the middle. And yeah. the street... It's highway. Is, I guess also there's a river. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like a street that has a... River next to it. Next to it, road next to a river. On either side of the river was the tree of life. 
on either side of the river、yeah. was the tree of life. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Isn't that? Just try and picture that in your mind. Yeah. Well, you've talked about the,、uh, what is it? The,、uh, what are those trees that are really all one, one organism? Oh, aspens. Aspen trees. Yeah. They're all rooted together and really just one, <laughs> yeah, one、totally. thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Kind of get a picture of something like that. Yeah. Just what's fascinating is it's very clearly on one side and on the other side. Which you think, yeah, has to be two separate trees, but then he uses the singular tree of life. Yeah. It's just such a great example、mm. of metaphor.、Mm. And what's it producing? 12 kinds of fruit. New Israel,、mm. new humanity. New humanity. Yielding its fruit every month, just like the Psalm 1 tree of life person,、mm. yielding its fruit in season. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations.、Hmm. That's a unique idea here. Or is that something that、uh, he's riffing off? Well,、with? his point is it's 12 kinds of fruit、yeah. from this tree. The whole story came through the family of Abraham.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's always been、uh, for all、so、of the nations. The fruit is like it's Israel reconstituted,、yeah. but it's also for the、That's、whole、right. world. Just like the blessing given to Abraham was always for、so、all nations can be、Got、blessed. It. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. same idea here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the scene ends with God saying, I'm the Alpha and Omega. So, wait, so the tree of life、oh, uh-huh. produce, is producing the new humanity. This、mm-hmm. is like connected to Jesus saying, like, I am、oh, the vine, yeah, you're yeah, the branches. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Like, I, I am the tree of life.、Mm-hmm. You grow out of me. Correct. Now, this new humanity is bearing fruit. Correct.、Yep. And it's the new Israel,、mm-hmm. but it's the new Israel for the whole Yeah, the fulfilled in Messiah Jesus, which means. The whole point is th- through the birth of the new Israel in the mission of Jesus, gave birth to the new humanity. That's the Gospel of Luke and Acts、mm. yeah. in a nutshell.、Mm. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, that is cool. And then the scene ends, verse 14 Blessed are those who wash their robes, that's a temple purity image,、mm. so that you may have the right to the tree of life and enter the gates into the city. So in Revelation, you wash your robes in the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. The atonement. Yeah. If you allow the Messiah's death to be for you, you enter into the garden, have access to the tree of life, which means you can freely go in and out of the holy city. And this is the Genesis 3:15, the yeah. servant. Yeah, that's right. Who bled for you,、yeah. suffered for you,、yeah. makes an atonement for you so that、that's、you can、right. be pure. Yeah. God sent one who went into exile and death. On just as we all do, because we've eaten from the wrong tree. He did not,、hmm. but he went to that fate anyway. So that you may have the right. So that he could break through the other side. To the tree of overcome life. Overcome the serpent and open the way back. Back to the tree of life. It ends. Yeah. There you go. So coherent as、mm. a narrative.、Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible's really complicated. Yeah. But、uh, I did this exercise, I think it was one of my first or second semesters at, in college. It was exercise of read Genesis 1 through 3. Read Revelation 21 and 22. Write、mm. down every parallel image you can. Oh, cool. And I was blown away the first、mm. time I did that. Then it's just a question of, well, okay, connect the dots from one end to the other. Trace all those ideas. Yeah. And in a way, this, this video is kind of the fruition、hmm. of that project so many years ago.、Mm. So, our last stop in our conversation is how do you get from Jesus in Galilee、yeah. saying new creations arriving to the full arrival of new creation? It took Jesus to. Jerusalem. It took him to Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. To a high place. To a high place in the city of Jerusalem where he has his own moment of testing in a garden、mm-hmm. and a moment that is fulfilled in the, the tree of Golgotha. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bible Project Podcast. We're coming into the last part of this conversation on trees. So if you want to submit a question for a question and response episode, Please do by recording yourself asking the question and email it to info at bibleproject.com. Again, that's info at bibleproject.com. If you're able to keep your question to about 30 seconds, that'd be great. Give us your name and where you're from. Next week, we're going to have our last conversation in this series and we'll discuss the climactic story of Jesus' trial, crucifixion, and how there's trees all over. In Matthew and Mark, They go to a place called Gethsemane in Greek, takes them to a, a little garden of olive trees. In John's Gospel, he straight up just calls it a garden. In this garden, Jesus faces his last test. Do you remember his first test was in the wilderness? Then here he uses the word. He says that、um, he's entering into the test. In this macro theme of the tree, 
He's looking around to all of these people who have failed their own individual tests and the collective tests, <laughs> creating death in the world. And so he will walk into death on purpose. Our video on the Tree of Life has been released. It's on our YouTube channel. We've tried to summarize this entire conversation into a five-minute animated video. And I think we did a pretty good job. Check it out at youtube.com slash thebibleproject or on our website, thebibleproject.com. Today's show is produced by Dan Gummel. Our theme music is from the band Tense. Bible Project is a crowdfunded nonprofit in Portland, Oregon. And that means that all of our resources are free because of the generous support of people like you all over the world. So thank you for being a part of this with us. I want to be on a seat too, sweetheart. Oh, here. Okay. Okay. You want to start? You start. Okay. <laughs> hi, my name is Lakshmi, and I'm from Estacada. And hi, my name is Woods, and I'm from Estacada. Um, I first heard about the Bible Project actually from my son. My son told me about it. And I first heard about the Bible Project from my camp. Um, I use the Bible Project a lot for just private use of helping me understand it. And I also use it for my women's uh, Bible study group. If we're about to study something, we will always put the Bible Project on first and then start to study whatever um, book we're in. And I use the Bible Project um, to get deeper into my faith and learn about God. And one of the favorite things I love most about the Bible Project is how simply it breaks it down. Sometimes when we go to study a book, it seems so overwhelming, but the Bible Project just breaks it down and makes it so understandable for any age. And I like all the um, drawings and the animation. Uh, we believe the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. We're crowdfunded project by people like me. Find free videos, study notes, podcasts, and more at thebibleproject.com. <laughs>